Are you suffering from back pain? Well, I've got the thing just for you. 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain, plus 192 others just in case, volume 1, available at Amazon.com. Over 30 million Americans are suffering with back pain at this very moment. The vast majority of these cases are either caused or exacerbated by common lifestyle factors. Many of the same factors may be causing you pain right now. Join board-certified physician Andrew Kirshner as he guides you through the parts of your life where these problems occur and gives you simple, safe and effective solutions for these common daily pitfalls. In this fun and informative book, you will learn how to identify the aspects of your life which may be causing you pain, how to create a back-friendly environment, how you can improve your pain by improving your sleep, ways to make a pain-free commute, how you can perform daily activities without making your pain worse, and much more. Andrew Kirshner is so well respected in the field of back pain relief. He has you know, famous clients such as DJ Jazzy Jeff. He has done uh, many talks and lectures at universities in the UK. He has appeared on QVC demonstrating back pain relief products and that is because he is an expert in his field and people trust him. Also check out the 5 star reviews on Amazon.com. This is the book that you need if you suffer from back pain. That's 15 surefire tips for relieving back pain plus 192 others just in case volume 1 available at Amazon.com in paperback. Check the link below the show for more information. Just when you thought that there were already too many podcasts in the world. Here comes another one. and welcome to another episode of Pablo's Poppin' Podcast. It's almost like I'm sticking to a schedule. It's slightly over a week since the last one, but I think, you know, I think you'll forgive me because life is a bit upside down, but as long as there are regular episodes at this point, I think that is a good thing. Um, I never really know sort of what to put in these opening bits. I think generally now, because it is my podcast and it's a way to get shit off my chest, I'm going to tell you about my week. And I've, that's kind of what I've been doing anyway, but I think this is kind of like the official way now. <laughs> um, you know, because 
I want you to connect to the podcast. You know, obviously, hopefully there are guests that you like and, you know, there are guests that you discover and new music that you discover and films and etc. Because I interview people in all different fields of entertainment. But also I want you to, you know, um, I want us to get to know each other a little bit. And it just gives me an excuse to just, you know, um, get stuff off my chest and you know, maybe open stuff up for debate as well so you know um this is what this is going to be it's taken me two years to decide this uh just about but um you know being a <laughs> being a podcaster who coughs a lot um you know i'm very i'm not insecure but you know um it's kind of a weird thing you kind of open yourself up to criticism and i'm fine with that i am fine with that uh, as long as it's constructive criticism uh so yeah uh, last week i got to uh, see red cross um i have friends in high places now if you are tuning in to listen to today's interview with uh, hooks ritman um there's a good chance that you know the band red cross um i discovered red cross via tenacious d because steve mcdonald the bassist played on the Tenacious D album. He also played bass on Jellyfish, uh, on Belly Button as well. Um, and luckily, I, you know, I know John Crop, who is their artist and web designer, and tickets had sold out because uh, they, it's a joint, it was a joint gig with the Melvins. And uh, more people were there to see the Melvins, they were the headliners, you know, um, but I was there to see Red Cross. I wasn't really familiar with the Melvins, um, but Steve, currently plays a bass for them as well he gets around a lot basically um so no it was it was very very cool you know i interviewed robert hecker um oh god probably about a year and a half ago now and uh if fingers crossed fingers crossed they said they would do it fingers red crossed you could say uh steve and jeff will uh, do the podcast at some point which will be awesome they're on tour at the moment um so they're they are full of busy but um once they are back home it looks like something that should be able to happen, so I'm uh, very, very much looking forward to that. Um, <coughs> I've been sort of... Okay, it's kind of weird. I should really take my own advice as a musician and as a self-employed person and stuff like that, but I... I get more of sort of motivating friends to try and get them to you know pull the finger out and get stuff done. And I was uh, talking to a, a friend in a band um, and they had to uh, give up a really cool opportunity for one reason or another and they felt really down about it but you know they started making plans immediately after that I, you know, I met them for a drink and we had a bit of a brainstorm and um, yeah it, like it's kind of a weird thing because they some of them um, and I've had this as well and I'm guessing you've had this the listener if you are a musician you know you have naysayers and doubters and people who think that it's an unrealistic goal to be a musician and make money from it etc but you know and it, it almost seems like it's a wrong not to have a sense of entitlement I mean yes to a degree I guess but also to have confidence in yourself and feel like you know I deserve this if you know there are goals that you are aiming for it happens in literally every other job you know you aim for that promotion or you aim for that pay rise or whatever so i don't get why it you know it has to be different within music that like, you know if you are aiming for that record contract you know or you are aiming to you know sell out that gig or you know if you feel like you should be able to support like a really big band fuck it you know go for it um it it's, it's a very judgment. I think it's because of our age as well. We are older now. We are in our 30s. Uh, you know, some of, some friends have, you know, 
wives and kids and husbands and etc and you know it is a crazy thing and you know with, in my case I kind of have to <laughs> sort of like hopefully not come across like some kind of you know no hope a daydreamer um, you know waste of space musician who you know doesn't get anywhere but I feel like I'm getting somewhere but yeah that, that you know that's just me thinking out loud I mean what do you think you know I, I you know do you run into naysayers and you know um, how was your time at school you know did they prepare you for a life in music you know I, I talk to a lot of guests about their education quite a bit because I'm fascinated by it I have a teaching degree and you know I haven't exactly had nice things to say about the college that I came from about some of their Te not teaching practices well to a point teaching practices because I think it's this and I probably talked to Hooks about this during the interview as well but you know musicians or students are far too sort of set up to fail in some you know to a degree because it's like when you know they try and build them up for a career as a signed artist or whatever and it's just if you, you know, if you did a cookery course or if you did a gardening course, you wouldn't be set up for a life on MasterChef or Ground Force or whatever. You know, you're set up for, you know, with your skills to hopefully find work in your profession. And that covers a wide umbrella, but nah, whatever. I'm just rambling. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> yeah that, that's just some shit that's on my mind, basically. You know, it, this is kind of like, you know, I have an inner monologue, as probably most of us do, and if you don't, then I'm probably a little bit insane. Um, but I certainly have an inner monologue, and this is just spewing it all out, so it really is kind of, you know, uh, therapeutic to be able to do that, especially with, you know, things that are going on with my mum. Yeah, I'm not going to go into it. If you listen to the last episode, if you have me on Facebook, you know what's going on. Um, I will keep people updated of uh, big changes uh, because, you know, a lot of people donated towards the GoFundMe for my mum. And, you know, find Pablo Melons on Facebook. You'll find out all the information, basically. Um, yeah, so my guest today is Hooks Rittman from... Um, <laughs> it was formerly Huxley Rittman and the Rusty Hitmen. Uh, now it's Hooks and the Hitmen. Um, which was, he, he actually told me this first before they officially announced it, but because I'm rubbish and took ages to put the uh, the podcast online, uh, <laughs> I'm well behind the time, I'm a terrible journalist basically, but uh, yeah, it's a great interview, I I've, um, saw their band play at the IPO uh, this year, the International Pop Overthrow, and was just blown away by them, second year in a row that I've been blown away by a band, first year it was Sunshine Bloom, uh, this year, Hooks Ripman and the Rusty Hitmen, and uh, we got along quite well, and we went to uh, some bars, got drunk, and um, Grant, the drummer, you know, tried to uh, do the worm on the dance floor and got kicked out, even though the place was empty, and he offered some actual excitement to the place and a bit of energy, but whatever. Um, so yeah, no, um, Hooks is a great songwriter and singer as well, and you'll get to hear all about his story, and um, yeah, he, he's, he's a lot of fun, he's a very positive, happy person, and you know, for someone who's, we do go into like how clumsy he is, and how much he's fucked his hands up, 
over the past few months. Uh, him and Glass do not get along, put it that way. Uh, yeah, so after the IPO uh, festival, Hooks um, and the Hitmen, along with the Armoires and Plastic Soul, went on the Big Stir tour. And when they played Newcastle, Toxic Melons were part of that. And we are a part of the Big Stir Travelling International Roadshow CD. Uh, which is available at, and I'm going to try and make this as smooth as possible as I open the case and I can't find the information. Uh, if you find Big Stir Records, basically, uh, you will find you will find uh, where to find all the armoire stuff and um, and this CD as well. Uh, we'll post links below. You don't have to worry about that. You know, I do that at gigs as well. There's no point in giving just tons of information about where to find people because, you know, just type in the band name on YouTube luckily no one wants to be called Toxic Melon so I'm fine um, so I am the only thing that comes up pretty much uh, I want to thank of course <laughs> Andrew Kirshner who uh, played at the IPO this year and uh, came all the way from Philadelphia and also came all the way to California to play his piece in uh, an O2 Poisonous Fruit which is on my uh, latest EP for play uh, which was a successful Kickstarter and they are being mailed out to people slowly but surely people are receiving them I know it's been far too long but people are receiving their signed copies signed by myself Eric Dover and Roger Joseph Manning Jr who appear on the EP um, if you want more stuff from me if you like crazy pop music that you can barely dance to or sing along to but it's very melodic uh, check out toxicmelons.bandcamp.com um, that helps keep me running basically and you know helps pay the bills because I'm self-employed. I'm a self-employed power pop musician. What a stupid idea that was. So yeah, if you want to help out, please do that. There's also a big green button at the top of the page. Uh, become a patron. Um, I am looking for a new sponsor. Uh, if you feel that you would fit into the show for a very, very reasonable rate, I will help you create an advert from scratch, which you can use wherever you like, but will also be used on the podcast as well. And uh, yeah, if you would like to be a part of the podcast do let me know and you can also you, you can pledge through the the big green button on the top of the podbean page and etc um what else what else do i need to plug oh yes i'll come yeah i started on andrew my sponsor um he's a wonderful man <laughs> uh 15 surefire tips from leaving back pain the big advert at the start we are going to redo that because um you know you may be listening to for the first time but we need to make the advert a little bit shorter i think and uh a little bit more popping Pablo's popping podcast popping um but do check it out if you have back pain can't recommend the book enough I really really can't I'm not just saying this because he's a sponsor he is an expert and he will help you out with your everyday back problems with this book uh, which is also available as an ebook through Amazon as well follow the link below and you will find all of that good stuff your support of his book helps keep the show running basically and it helps give me a fucking meaning and a reason to fucking you know sit at this computer at uh you know midnight when in the middle of autumn or when actually it's officially autumn next week but uh yeah i'm actually not cold at the moment which is good um so yeah uh, before we get into my interview with Huxley Rittman, the wonderful Huxley Rittman, i'm gonna play you a song by the band and this is this is such a beautiful song um 
I knew of the song anyway, and uh, we listened to it a lot in California with uh, Christine Bulbenko uh, at her place. And she said, I, <laughs> and I may embarrass her now, or I may embarrass Hux if he's listening. Uh, it made her cry because it it's such a beautiful song. This is called Can't Talk to Anyone, and I will be into my interview with Hux. And stay tuned after the interview for more to come on Pablo's Poppin' Podcast. <laughs>
Okay, so with me on Pablo's Poppin' Podcast this week, we have one of the, and this is going to embarrass him, one of the finest songwriters that I know, someone who I was lucky enough to meet through uh, Rex Broom and Christina Bulbenko uh, as part of the IPO. I met so many great artists during that time, and uh, they've been responsible for almost really creating a bit of a worldwide scene, I guess, uh, with the big star gigs and, you know, a lot more. Uh, I am here with Mr. Huxley Rittman. How are you doing today, sir? I am quite well. Yeah. <laughs> Yourself? I'm good. Able at the moment. Uh, you're, the, you're the only guest that's ever asked me how I'm doing. No one gives a shit, you know. Oh. You're so caring. You're so caring. Um, so you, you've just come back from a rehearsal. Did it go well? You haven't killed... You know, no one... You, you, there's a lot of harmony in your band. You know, you don't feel the need to choke each other. Oh, oh dear. Like, <laughs> well, um, I think what, what this... Rehearsals are a bit more necessary than usual at the moment because uh, I, well, for anyone that's listening that doesn't know me, I have uh, injured my hand um, to the point where I can't play guitar. So uh, for the, the 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 closest shows on the horizon, we're, we're bringing in a fill-in guitarist, so we're kind of just teaching him all the music and stuff, but it's going well. I mean, he's like, he's kind of a, of a dream of a fill-in, like he's similar style and, and absolutely no troubleshooting required, so uh-huh. yeah, it, shout out to Logan Haynes if you ever need a guitarist. Awesome. So, I mean, does it, um, is it kind of changing the dynamic maybe for future gigs? Would you add him to the band? Or, and, you know, this isn't... I'm sure you won't be offended if you say no, but like, is it making you think, oh, maybe we could have two uh, guitars live, or you know, and it may free you yep. up to add other instruments, like you know. I mean, the, the we we've been toying with the idea of um, Ella, the keys player, switching to guitar on some songs just for extra texture. Oh, really? um, I and the more did, I didn't know she played. That's cool. Yeah, I kind of didn't either until she offered. Um, so that's that's an exciting prospect, and yeah, I mean, the more I hear somebody else's interpretation of of the guitar parts, the more I feel absolutely open to uh, you know adding a second guitar in. Um, and and this particular fella, he's great, and he and the drummer are like you know best friends since the womb, pretty much, or something. So so I, I you know, he's absolutely welcomed. Yeah. Uh, so he came highly recommended, and there wasn't like an audition process or anything like that. No, no, definitely. And uh, and I knew that he, he and the drummer also have one or two other projects. Um, and I, you know, I, I know that they all already have some musical chemistry, and that their backgrounds are not unlike mine, and lend themselves to to playing some rocky pop. Uh-huh. So and, and your drummer's name is uh, Grant Dickerson. For anyone who. Uh... You know, because I've I've yes. I've interviewed singers before, and they just referred to the drummer as the drummer, and the drummer got really offended <laughs> by it. So you know, <laughs> he does have a name. He's not just someone that you you tell what to do. Um, you know, to a point. You know. Wait, sorry, I, I missed that. I don't know. I'm just saying your drummer does have a name and a face. He's not just someone that you tell what to do and you know, bust around or anything like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. um, so yeah what for everyone who like doesn't know because you you've been really clumsy like what have you done with your hand it was really bad and then i saw something like <laughs> last week when i was in la and you injured your hand again like you're gonna have to get your hand in, yeah insured oh. or something but 
Well, I'll start from July 22nd and, and <laughs> move on for it. Um, so J- July 22nd, for context, um, I, uh, my, my birthday was July 20th, my 21st. Uh, so I, I had, on the 22nd, I had, uh, I, um, had just uh, finished a nine-hour shift at work. And on the way home, I bought some legal beer and I was all set to have a, um, you know, a nice chill out night and, you know, kick back from the shift. And <clears throat> so I was just like grabbing the essentials and some snacks and everything. And I needed to move a, a glass vase out of the way. And, um, when taking it off the shelf and moving it onto the counter, it just shattered oh. and it was pretty thick glass. And the biggest piece of it kind of just dug right into my hand, the back of my hand. And so it cut through, um, well, through one and, and some of two other tendons on the back of my hand, as well as a nerve. So for the past two and a bit months, I've just been trying to kind of get my hand back and it's still a while to go. Um, but anyway, so then uh, a few days later, um, I just knocked a, a glass candle, like a, a Yankee candle off of a shelf and broke that too. No injuries that time, but it was just kind of the start of this luck. Um, and then about three weeks later, I dropped more <laughs> glass. It, um, and it was fine. I up and seemed like it was going to be okay. But then when I was walking to the bathroom in the middle of the night, I stepped on this one lone shard that kind of oh. danced across the floor. I did notice. Um, okay. Glass incident. Um, then uh, what happened next? Oh, then it was um, the knife. I just cut myself while cutting an onion the, the other week. Um, even like, and it was so crazy. I was, I was, I started cutting, and um, I just ever so slightly just kind of grazed my right index finger, ah. and at that point I was. And okay, you know, this is a serious knife, this is really sharp, and I have terrible luck, so I need to be very careful with this knife. And as I'm having that damn thought, I, I just, like, bite into my uh, thumb. So that was another thing. And then uh, a couple days after that, I was at a, at a, at a show um, slash party, birthday party, uh, in somebody's house, and... Uh, you know, no injuries here, but just inexplicably, the the, the uh, person you know two feet away from me dropped their pipe they were smoking out of, made a glass, and it shattered on the floor. Uh, a glass lamp just spontaneously exploded and huh. uh, <laughs> almost caught flames. So I was, I, you know, I kind of felt like the luck was happening, and sure enough, I took one swing at the birthday pinata, and somehow <laughs> like too far and punched the shit out of the banister, cutting my knuckle in the process. So Jeez. that's um, the latest. So, so I was gonna, yeah, I was going to say you should get your hands insured, but I don't think anyone would insure you. Oh, no, it's just today. You see, do you see this on no, on my fingers, these three uniform cuts? Yeah, uh, yeah this is audio, but I'm seeing, yeah, that is, uh, the, so how right, many, I mean, but you, yeah, I can see that. How yeah, many how many scars are you have you got now? Are you just gonna be all fucked up? I mean, have you lost any feeling or is it um is it gonna go back to normal? My the the most affected hand? Yeah. Uh yeah, it is. Um I think the 
the estimate was about 12 weeks from the operation is when I'd kind of be back in action. Um, right now I'm on week nine, I think, and I'm, uh, I can, I can use it and I can do things with it, but, uh, anything that's, that causes, you know, trauma or, or involves any stress that I need to, I can only limit it to, you know, 10 minutes or so. Um, and basically just trying to stretch out and get rid of all of that scar tissue. So like I'm almost making a fist, (laughs) but I will get it all back. Ah, well that's, that's a hell of a saga and hopefully the last of that as well, you know, because you are yeah uh, nice. yeah you've easily got the worst luck i think it, it'd, it'd be fine if it was like your foot or something you don't need your foot for anything or you know you can lose a leg and you know yeah. you can still play guitar yeah. so no and my foot was unaffected in this but um at some point in the past two months i also was just walking at night and didn't look where i was going and kicked over something made of glass kicked it over and stepped on it and so oh god yeah you need fortunately to be- it's foot- yeah, you need to be wrapped yeah. in bubble wrap uh, going forward from now on, I think. But um, so let's like what I want to do because um, you know, I met you in uh, Liverpool at the IPO, and uh, we, we um, our bands got along quite well, which is really cool because you know, um, I think it's, it really helps. I think you know, especially when we did our gig together, the uh, the album launch. Um, you know, still got very fond memories of uh, Grant getting getting his uh, moves on in that bar, that empty bar that he got kicked out of. Do you remember? Oh, that? wait a minute. But the, with the, which empty one? It was in oh god. The, well, there were a few in Liverpool. The, yeah, there was a one where it was just literally just. Oh wait, wait, wait. yes, yes. Okay, okay. Was, you I, was, for a second, was, I thought you were saying talking about. New- no, no, no. And, and there was, there was. No, like, I do there, remember. There was a dance floor, and uh, Grant had had maybe a couple of the drink, and uh, he was doing the worm and stuff yeah. like that, and he was making it lively, and um, he got kicked out. Which, uh, <laughs> which I thought yeah, was, you know, they really think, rained on his little wormy parade. I know it's a shame. Um, so going back, because um, I mean, you are you are a youngin, you know, compared to me, I'm like an old man, um, in comparison. So, like, is uh, Huxley Rickman and the Rusty Hitman is that your first band, or did you do stuff beforehand? Um, it's not my first band. Uh, the first band actually was in fourth grade. Uh, it was three classmates and a teacher. <laughs> um, uh, cause nobody played drums at, at nine. Um, but yeah, we just played some Green Day covers. Uh, then, um, in, in sixth grade, I started this band that went through a couple of names, the most recent and established of which was The Cave. Uh, uh-huh. And we, 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 kinda, we stuck with it. I mean, the configuration sort of changed, but like it was born in sixth grade and we did it all through the end of high school. And it got to a point of being somewhat serious, um, but then everyone did go their separate ways. Uh, and then I... In uh, when I started college, I joined slash started two bands, um, one of which I'm still in, the other one I am no longer in. Uh, and then the Hitman is actually the the newest band. Well, no, no, scratch that. I'm just starting a new project with my girlfriend called Monica Bang. Um, but anyway, so no, the the Hitman was not the first band. Okay, so how? Um full-on was music education at uh, your high school or even your 
uh, you know, we call it primary school. I don't know what you call it, sort of. Um, yeah. Before um, high school. It, so, well, sure. Yeah, yeah. It's elementary and middle for us. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, I mean, uh, until high school, it was really just the mandatory weekly you know, grab an instrument and, or let's sing a song kind of music class. Uh, then in high school, it did get more involved, um, but it was IGCSE for the first two years and then um, IB for the last two. So both of those curriculums were very much centered around kind of like history and styles and Western art music. Um, whereas the, like the more kind of, practical slash 20th century onwards kind of theory work didn't really start till Berkeley. Yeah. I uh, see. That's, that's really cool. Cause I mean, I tell people all the time in my, in my high school, um, for, you know, uh, um, qualifications, GCSEs and stuff like that. And not enough people pick music. So they just scrapped the entire course. So it meant that, really? yeah, it was really bad. So it meant that I wanted to go on to college to do a music course, but, there wasn't the option to do to get the qualification to Wait, do that. College so, being like eleventh and twelfth grade. No, no. Um, or like what it, I call college. College would be like I guess university. Well, um, okay. college is we have sort of high school, then college, then university, sort of thing. Um, well, yeah. So, um, yeah, no, we didn't have it as an option, so I ended up, you know, wasting three years of my life doing media studies, which you know. Um, yeah, I wasn't How talking, was that? It wasn't yeah, just it, 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 part of it was cool. There was the creative side, but I wanted to get into radio. Well, I thought I did uh, into talk radio, but um, I realised that I didn't know enough about subjects to talk about at a great length that people would give a shit about. <laughs> um, so that's why I'm really thankful yeah. for podcasts because you can be as niche as you like. You can do a podcast about. Well, no, wait, hold on. What? Can't think of it. I mean, I feel like. Of all of the people I know, you seem best suited for talk radio and <laughs> knowing about subject. Oh, I don't know about that. Um, no, because I, I, I would get, if it was politics, I'd probably get like too controversial very quickly and then probably kick it off the air. Because I think you have to be, um, on commercial radio, you have to be unbiased and you have to give both sides of the, you know, that's why I'm, I love podcasts. Podcasts are great. You can make them as niche as you like and yeah. make them about anything you like, but Mm. And, and find an audience as well because you know you know what it's like you you make a style of music that is very specific yeah you know, very specific style and you know having the internet as a tool to promote means that you can find that audience that may you know there may not be anywhere close to you but the LA scene or like you know Liverpool London and you know places like that um, it's it's really opened the door and I think that. Any, you know, obviously it means that anyone can do it now, which I think is great. But to get noticed, I think it's the ones that really take it seriously and look at promotion and have an image and mm -hmm. you know um, a, a quality of music as well. Because you know, um, technology is so affordable now that anyone can do it. But it doesn't mean that everyone knows how to use it well, sort of thing. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I got my soapbox there, but um, so. Um, what did you did you take music at uh, university then um, after after school? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm in. I'm doing it right now. I uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm at I, I Berkeley keep College. I, I keep forgetting that you're young. Everyone that I interview, like they went to college like about twenty years ago. So I can kind of, you know, oh. 
they, they, they have more of a, I guess, a story that I can kind of like do the timeline thing on. But uh, yeah, you are, you are, you need to see go to Berkeley. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So I, I did two years and took a gap year that I spent kind of between Boston and Nashville, Tennessee, and then finished it off with that tour that we met you on. Um, and now I'm back for my last two years. Oh, that's awesome. What was Nashville like? Nashville's great. Um, I it was a I was living a different kind of life because I didn't have my band with me, nor did I really make moves to create one. Um, so I just kind of indulged in the whole singer songwriter thing. Um, but Nashville is just a, a mind blowing place to do that. Huh? Yeah. I mean, they just like the amount of songwriter nights and open mics and, oh. you know, in the rounds there are, it's just incredible. There, you have to, you know, you have to choose between many every night. Yeah. Um, and this one in particular at a place called the Cafe Coco just kind of became like my my place, like my my spot. Uh, it, that that particular open mic seemed to be more community centric than any other, and all you know, everyone who came came every week. Uh, and you know, chances are, if you went there just during the day to hang out, there would be one or two people you know there. It was just a great place. So Nashville was just like really refreshing refreshing in that everyone was so warm and open and and wanted to every you know supportive everyone wanted each other to do well and everyone wanted to be each other's friend yeah um but i you know i did miss my band and uh but we did have fun we we did a, a two shows there um uh like full band bar shows and those were great oh awesome so i mean did it um because I, I would love to go to Nashville um, and Memphis. Um, did it sort of strike you how prevalent um, music was ingrained in their culture sort of thing? Because I've heard that you could literally go into bars next to each other and in every bar there would just be just top-level musicians just playing all the time. Like it seems, oh, yeah. it seems even more prevalent there than it does in L.A. And it's pretty, you know, pretty hardcore oh. in L.A., you know. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, like, I granted, I haven't really spent... I haven't spent much time in LA or have I been there since I've been able to go into bars. So I'm not, you know, I'm not talking shit or anything, but I, I I mean, Nashville, I would imagine kind of blows anything out of the water. Like it was, I mean, there was this, this particular strip, the, like, you know, the Broadway area, um, which I generally avoided because one, I, you know, couldn't go into bars and two, I just like, it's a bit, too busy and loud and Times Square-y. Um, but, I mean, anytime you're there, I, you know, driving through at night, for example, if you just kind of cruise along with the windows down, you just hear band after band after band, and they're all so incredibly tight and just, yeah, just like, uh-huh. just world-class abilities and, and musicianship. Do, do you feel yeah. like Nashville um, like upped your it, game as a musician then? Um... I'd need to spend more time there and do more of the, you know, gigging thing in yeah. terms of, you know, like playing out live with a band. Uh, but it definitely, it kind of, uh, you know, got the writing juices flowing for sure, being around all, you know, all those writers. And also, you know, once you, if you, if you keep going to the same open mic, eventually you're going to run out of new songs to play. So you got to write new shit. Um, but yeah, I think, I think, 
I, yeah, no, I really did to answer your question because just just by default, you know, by virtue of how, how often I was playing. Hmm. So, well, I know that you, you know, with Rex and Christina and everything, you like the Rusty Hitmen are very much a part of the power pop scene, I guess. But would you consider yourself primarily a power pop artist, or um, you know, based on your tastes or? Do you, you know, because you, 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 you guys get heavy when you need to as well, as well as have like the really beautiful melodic pop. Um, so when you were writing um, in uh, Nashville, were you writing in that style or was it very sort of, like you say, the singer songwritery stuff that wouldn't necessarily work in a band situation? Or? Well, yeah, in Nashville, um, in Nashville, I definitely did find myself writing stuff that was more suited to, you know, just like a guy on a guitar. So it was generally a little softer and wrote plenty of songs that I probably just won't bring to the band just because they, they'll be unexciting and yeah. should stay singer songwriter songs. Um, so yeah, that, that did happen in Nashville. Um, but I definitely find that anytime I'm thinking about the band, the, the writing gets, you know, louder and faster. Um, and as for us being power pop, primarily, I, def I, w I definitely wouldn't say. Um, and I'll tell you, I, I just, uh, you know, Justin Fielding, right? I do, yeah. Yeah, so he's he lives around here. So we, we met up for coffee the other week. And um, as I was telling you about my band, I kind of made this realization that I kind of just walked into power pop. Um, <laughs> I... I was well. One of my favorites, if not my favorite band, is Fountains of Wayne. Um, yeah, and um, they definitely were influencing my creation. And at the time that I was discovering them, I wasn't writing lyrics yet because I was just playing guitar in the high school band. Uh, but you know, I, I did a I did a, a project for my music class about Fountains of Wayne, during which I discovered that they just you know labeled themselves as power pop. So I kind of just kept note of that and as far as I was concerned at the time they it, they coined the term like I'd never heard anyone else describe them as power pops so to my in my mind like mm. Fountains yeah, of Wayne was the <laughs> definition of it yeah just from, um, just from so, hearing sort of like bands like Badfinger and 10cc the term power pop was never really I mean I could be wrong but you you know um, and you're probably right it was never really used in the 70s it was just pop I guess or rock maybe or soft rock or whatever yeah, wait. I think uh, yeah. Justin was telling me that it was um, it was Pete Townsend that that it was. That and to say yeah. Funnily enough, I interviewed Justin um, because I mean over a year ago now because I thought he was nearly finished that Power Pop movie, but he's still it's a, yeah. such a labor of love it seems. Um, so are yeah. you are you a part of it? Did he interview you for it? Oh. Um, he said, I mean, he said that he's really kind of in the thick of, of the, you know, editing and, and such. Uh, and so he needs to, he needs to first kind of get some sort of a cut and see where he's at, but yeah. that he would really like to, you know, do an interview in early next year. Um, whether it'll make the, you know, like this cinema cut, I'm not sure it might just be an extra, but yeah. very excited to, to do that nonetheless. Yeah, totally, totally. So how did you guys hook up then? Was it through Rex and Christina or was it just you reaching out to him or because you live near each other? Or 
Honestly, I, I, I got no clue. <laughs> that, <laughs> everyone I'm, I'm too in, specific like, now. Okay. Other than people that I definitely, you know, like shook hands with and met in over the course of the UK tour, that's part of this whole universe. I, you know, no clue how, how I became their friend. Um. So, I mean, in, in generally, though, um, you weren't aware of this kind of online power pop scene, I guess, before like the tour no event. um no and and how it happened was uh so like I, you know once i was writing songs and giving them to a band i kind of you know just called them power pop in that you know because i i found Wayne was as far as i could consciously tell my only you know influence um and um <clears throat> so i was um getting ready to, to do a show in LA. And one of the people that I play with when I'm there, this fella, Nate, um, I was talking to him about potentially getting some other dates so that we, I wasn't, you know, going out for just the one show. Um, and I was just like, man, this is, this is frustrating. Like if only there was a place really looking for like a power pop band and he responds and he's like, Oh, well, you know that there's a monthly power pop night, right? And I was like, "You're, haha, that's funny." And he was like, "No, I'm, I'm serious." And and so yeah, so it turns out that like you know the people that I have met and that he plays in a band with are in charge of this, yeah. you know, the whole big star thing. Um, and this is and this so, is Rex. Bruce. I forget. What, uh, I'm guessing this is Rex who you were talking to. Uh, no, no, it was uh, this this guy Nate that plays with the armoires. I'm not sure if he still does, but he I think, I is think in he the did. band. I've heard the name around, so yeah, there's a good chance that he does. But um, so when so I'm guessing they heard your recordings. Are they um, the things that are sort of available on your Bandcamp now, or did they see you play your songs first, sort of thing? The armoires. Yeah. yeah. Um. It. Uh. It's sort of. They they saw us play first, basically. So um, this this guy, um, Nate, is friends with uh, Christina's daughter, yes. and so when I was talking to the people I was going to be playing with, I was you know I was saying like, is there a space we can use to practice in? And he said, yeah, we'll just use the Bulbinko's place. And so we went, and so Rex and Christina were just hanging there, and they were. Sent, you know, pretty much uninvolved, but they were just, you know, heard the practice and then came to the show and, yeah. Yeah, I, and Rex and Christina are, like, just two of the coolest people. And, you know, I when I stayed over there a couple of weeks ago, I stayed at Christina's place and she let me and my band rehearse in her place as well. But for those who don't know, they live right underneath a flight path. So the fact that we can be loud in the house doesn't really bother the neighbors because the planes are so low. That, you know, it doesn't really matter anyway. Yeah. You know, they have to put up with so much noise on a constant basis. It was, yeah, it was really nice just getting loud in, in somebody's home. <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah, I mean, you must have met, you must have met the dogs as well, uh, Goober and um, Lulu. The the dogs? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, they're beautiful. I love them. They really are. See, and when, yeah, and no one else will ever meet these dogs, so it's kind of pointless me bring them up. But they are awesome dogs. <laughs> um, so did um, and I mean, there's a cat too, right? Sorry, 
there's a cat or two as well, right? There is. There's a, well, there's a yeah a cat called Elvis who um, sort of is a little bit curmudgeon-y and, uh, you know, won't put up with uh, Goober's uh, shit when uh, Goober tries to play or sniff sniff his ass or something like that, you know. Um, but yeah, I, I don't blame him, you know. Um, so um, where, where did you meet the band then? Did you meet them at um, at university or was it just kind of, you know, just looking it, for musicians it, it, or... I mean, it, it kind of, I was actually thinking about it this morning, like, I, it, you know, seemed like it was some higher forces or something, because uh, uh, Avery, the, the he plays bass, is, it was the only person I knew when I decided to put a band together, um, uh, and so I just asked him if he wanted to play bass, and he said yeah, um, and then I just put a, a, sh a shout out to... Um, Facebook, uh, just like on one of Berkeley's Facebook pages, saying, this is my music, does anybody want to play drums for it? And uh, Grant was, I think, the first or maybe the second to respond. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so I, at that time, I thought it was just going to stay a three-piece. Um, and so we just got together once. And honestly, it was awkward as fuck. And like, I, I don't know. I don't know how we decided to push through it, but like, I'm so glad we did because we i mean we we get along wonderfully and and the musical chemistry seems great um and then when i when i decided like you know let's get keyboards i was i was sitting in the in the cafeteria at school and i was talking to somebody and i i just said like do you know anybody you know i'm thinking of getting a keys player like do you know anybody who's down to like play rock and is good um and he said, yeah, do you know Ella Pearson? And she was walking right by in that moment. And I asked her, like, hey, do you, you, you want to play? We're going to have a practice on this day. Do you want to just come swing by, see how you feel? And she was like, yeah. And it just was just came together so well. That's awesome. So did you, um, you know, you clicked immediately. Is that because you had similar tastes or were there sort of diverse tastes that kind of helped? the overall sound sort of thing? Um, it was... I think to an extent we're all into similar stuff. Like I know Grant and I probably uh, listen to more of like the classic rock and like Avery is into like our Venn diagram is sort of, you know, rock is in the center but then he gets a little funkier on his end. Uh. Um, Ella... I I, I kind of I, I half don't like I don't know if I don't know what she's into or if she just listens to everything yeah. but I know that she's into like electronic production herself and just generally is down to clown with anything yeah. um so it definitely wasn't built on common ground you know intentionally but there's enough there yeah totally so I mean um you, you write the songs solo, I guess. You don't write with any other members of the band. Not that that's a bad thing. It's just, is that how it kind of works? Um, At this point, at least, yeah. And then you, you take, like, sort of a raw arrangement to them and then just let them kind of find their way with it. You're not like, you must play this note here and stuff like that. No, yeah. I mean, yeah, definitely just... Sometimes I'll have a particular thought, like, you know, I want, a very, like, a Tom-heavy beat here or, yeah. like, you know, just pedal point kind of baseline here but other than that they just come up with something and it's it's 
and it's wonderful. <laughs> yeah, you know, it really is. I, I mean, so there was no, um, there was no. Uh... I mean, that's definitely a cool thing. Starting a band at Berkeley is you're you're working with good musicians. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so there's there's no like sort of uh, there's no hesitation over the fact that it's your name in the band name. <laughs> they are the Rusty Hitmen, and you are you know. Yeah, I, I mean, I feel weird about that and express that, you know, when it came time to give the band a name. But I guess the thought was like, you know, again, at this point, at least, they, 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 it is all, um, you know, my songs. Uh, but also, you know, more than that, it's, it's kind of as much as, you know, there is a name in there, but it's also just kind of, it rolls off the tongue nicely and has a ring to it. Yeah. Um, and you can really just call it the hitman and people know who you mean. That's so cool. it kind of, I feel, it felt like it wasn't quite like a, you know, Huxley and the blah, blah, blah band. Yeah. No, I uh, but actually we are, we are, you know, it hasn't really been official and I think it will be with, uh, the coming release of a single, but, um, Ooh. Excited. We're changing. We're abbreviating it slightly. It's going to be Hux and the Hitmen. Holy shit! I've got a scoop. I'm such a journalist. Um, this, yeah. Yeah, this <laughs> is like this is like new news. Um, unless you've told everyone already, and then it's it, it is, yeah. Okay. I think that's... you might be just the first person that knows. Oh wow. Uh, okay. I'm, I'm excited about that. Um, so um, <laughs> with um, you know with this uh, the tour that you did. Um, did it was it originally just going to be the IPO in Liverpool or was were there plans immediately to do this tour because I mean it's very ambitious uh, what you guys did and uh, you know you pulled it off really well and you know all credit to Rex and Christina and you know um, how how did it come about like um if I remember correctly it was just I was driving from somewhere to somewhere in California with Rex and Christina and we were just chatting and they were telling me about when they did the um the, you know the the UK thing for the first time and they just kind of like threw out that that if they're probably going to do it again and that I should come along and uh and uh my mom she was chatting with them you know she's a little worker squirrel so, so they they were all talking and it just sort of came together uh. So was it? In, in, yeah. It was an easy sell to the band, then. I mean, was it? Because obviously, it's not cheap to fly over here and stuff like that. Was it just kind of, you know, how did they take all that? It was. It was. Uh, I mean, well enough. Um, I think initially nobody was quite sure of exactly what they were doing with their summer, so there were varying levels of, of you know, I'm into this this. Uh, but I don't know. Eventually, everyone I guess kind of realized doing a little UK tour is probably going to be a great time, and sure enough, it was. Yeah, like, did you? Uh, yeah, I know you uh, probably will have. Did the whole band realize sort of how important and cool it was to play like a place like the Cavern? Sorry, I think I, oh, no, okay. I lost um, some so of that. Did you guys sort of uh, realize, because um, obviously you're a Beatles fan, so you realized how important and cool it was to you know play a place like the Cavern Club? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I, I didn't know about it until I heard that we were going to play there and that it was, you know, 
the yeah. Beatles stomping grounds and then did a little research and I was like, wow, that's really cool. But it wasn't until I actually like got there and re you know, started walking down all those flights of stairs and realized like what this is a this is not like a place I've ever been to before. No. It wasn't really till I was in there that I was like, Holy shit, this is this is incredible. Yeah. That was pretty awesome. Um and you guys, you know, um you went down really well. Um and I loved getting the chance to uh see you guys play. I think I saw one because you did two sets, I think, and I think I saw one of them. Um Yeah, we did do two. You did do two. Um, so what, what was there like immediate reaction? Did, you know, did, um, middle-aged women sort of, uh, hit on you and stuff like that? Or, you know, it is Liverpool. So, you know, that kind of thing. Does um, happen, you know. That did, that did happen. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to remember. I think I just, I, I'm just, I'm a little fuzzy on which of the two was the first one, but I think that the first one was in the cavern club. Yeah. Uh, and it was fairly late, so yeah, it was a pretty loosey goosey crowd, and <laughs> we were loud, and you know, played a pretty good set, I think. So uh, I think the, the first one definitely was a you know excellent way to start off. Um, yeah, um, but even if it was the pub, even even the pub was great. Like just kind of every show in the UK is better than it, than shows we've had in Boston. That's awesome. Um yeah, I mean the the pub as well. It you know, the the Kevin pub, it 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 would be easy to see that as a step down from the club, but the atmosphere in the pub is great and it's always full. And you know, I guess it doesn't really matter where it is as long as there's plenty of people there and um you know, and they've got a great stage as well. I mean, like personally for me, yeah. I preferred the sound in the pub and the backstage of the club. Um, to the front stage because you know everything is so kind of cramped and um, you know it's quick changeover times and all that kind of thing but um, yeah uh, but I mean David does a you know a phenomenal job sort of getting everything together as well um, so how much of your own equipment did you use on, did you use, just use the cavern keyboard oh. I'm, I'm guessing that you just used uh, whoever's keyboard throughout the gig sort of thing because um, yeah yeah uh it was one that Christina brought, and that oh, was just the common keyboard. Yeah, that's cool. Um, so the, I mean, how long, yeah, how long yeah there was, was a lot of. Shit. Yeah, how how long was the tour? It was it was crazy. It was like what two, three weeks or something. Uh, just seemed I think to, just almost three weeks. It just seemed to never end. I mean, by the end of it, were you ready to just yeah. you know? <laughs> like I can imagine the um, maybe took it out of you. Oh. I mean, I, w I would have been excited to do more, but I was certainly ready to collapse as well. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so, so I guess it was it was probably perfect. So were there any sort of uh, particular gigs that uh, really stood out in terms of, like, atmosphere or just craziness? Or... Oh, uh, <laughs> the first one that comes to mind is definitely Manchester. Uh -huh. um, yeah, what, what happened was it was a... It was like a fairly, it was pretty packed, um, but everyone, and everyone was lively, but like just sitting down for whatever reason. Um, and then I, uh, I just decided, I took the risk um, because I don't think this has ever fucking worked in the past.
asked you know, said, hey, you know, come up and dance. Okay. And they did. I guess they were there was just like enough booze or something. But like, <laughs> and then from then on, because it was kind of an underwhelming start to the set. And then, but then instantly from then on, it was just a, a dance party the entire time. And you know, Avery was getting up on the on on the cabinets, and uh, um, Ella kind of just like ditched the keyboard and just danced with the crowd for a while. Uh, it was great. It was really just like a party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I was kind of turned into a bit of a crazy mess. Um, you know, I've, I felt really bad that sort of, um, the Newcastle, the Newcastle one, cause it, it, we had an extra band in there as well. And it, I didn't think that I would probably like the, you guys and the armoires would have to cut their set down. So, you know, all you guys were mm. cool with that, but I felt a little bad about that, but, um, you know, everyone really enjoyed it. And I remember at the end, um, just, I think you guys just had an impromptu jam with my band and, um, uh, yeah, <laughs> I like. <laughs> See, I went, I went, out, I went outside for most of that, so I don't know how it went, but I, I think it was probably oh. messy. <laughs> All right. Well, I mean, like, I okay. Well, it started. They started playing rock and roll uh-huh. by Led Zeppelin, and I jumped on and like got really excited and got so excited that I forgot that like there's not a chance in hell I'm gonna hit Robert Plant notes. <laughs> Um, so I started and it was just this screechy, terrible fucking rendition. And for my part, at least, that was just the tone of that entire jam session. It was a very fond memory and it was fun as hell, but like, yeah. I made an ass out of myself. <laughs> That's okay. I felt, yeah, like, no, you know. I like, at, the, at the sets that we played and, and not gotten back on stage. <laughs> Uh, no, it was a lot of fun. I remember just being very sweaty as well, uh, which is why I don't play gigs very oh, yeah. much. Because um, yeah, but um, well, yeah, forty minutes is just absolutely throwback. And yeah, I could keep you, but I shouldn't because you know we could go on for a while. And it is okay. half one here, so I appreciate you accommodating my. Oh, okay. t- no, no <laughs> because like usually, uh, where are you calling from at the moment? Uh, Boston. It's 8.25 p.m. See, that's not too bad. Usually my guests are in L.A. and that's like an eight-hour time difference. So I usually have to do it like 4 a.m. or something like that. But, um, yeah. but yeah, no, but I'm going to have to get... Um, when the new single comes out, I'll have to get like the, the band um, together. Um, yeah, that would be great. And, yeah, I mean, if you, like, I'm just like throwing it out there, but if you want to do like a little um, performance as well, I you know, wouldn't be against it. That would be pretty cool. I don't know how this could be done. Could be done acoustically, I guess. No. Yeah, I'm. I'm just like I'm absolutely willing to. Just how do you think? Just like, just pick it up with the laptop mic. Yeah, I think that. I think that would work. We could pre-record it, I guess. You know, I'm. I'm pulling back the curtain now into how this podcast, this highly technical operation works. You know, I'm just sat in my room with headphones, and that's that's basically. It. This is why I don't do video. Like, so sort of people would realize how unprofessional this entire podcast is in this other video, um, especially at this time when I'm sort of tired and stuff like that. But yeah, audio works, and it cuts yeah. down half the work as well. So it means I can make like really slick edits without anyone noticing but with video that would have you know you would you would notice but um yes so uh where can um because there are a couple of songs i'm going to be playing on the show but where can people find the band and how can people get in touch if they want to um book you for gigs all that kind of stuff yeah well um in the process of like a whole 
kind of remodeling in terms of the internet. Um, so uh, the best place at the moment for music would probably be um, SoundCloud or you know Spotify, iTunes, uh, and you just uh, it is Hux under Huxley Ripman and the Rusty Hitman. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> or uh, SoundCloud.com slash Huxley dash Ritman. Um, and then just, you know, a good place for updates and such is facebook.com slash Huxley Rittman Music. Yes, uh, you're very entertaining um, on oh, Facebook. Uh, getting in touch, yeah, definitely I'd say just go through the Facebook page or um, I will have an email address for you in just a moment. <laughs> well, all, all information will put, uh, be put below the show as well. So. All right, yeah, maybe just do that because I did a terrible job in answering this. <laughs> That's okay. No one, no one is prepared for that, so it's fine. Um, okay. <laughs> yeah, but um, look, I'm really looking forward to hearing uh, what you have, you know, up your sleeve next because I love your music, and I'm sure, you know, anyone listening to the podcast will. I know it's embarrassing you, but I don't care. Um, you know, um, you know, listen to. I listened to uh, Don't Talk to Anyone with Christina and she said that the song made her cry. Um, I don't know if you know that or not. Uh, I didn't. I've uh, just embarrassed Christina now. But, um, no, well, actually, I definitely did. She was she was a crier. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, not uh, only in a positive way. Uh, so um, if, you, if you don't mind me asking with that song in particular, was there a particular influence did something happen in, in your life or you know because i don't want to be like oh which bands influenced this because you know i think that's kind of a cliche question but was there like a personal thing that sort of inspired the song because it really is beautiful oh thank you what thank you shit yeah. <laughs> but um but uh um not a particular instance um but it, it was uh the first because I, I did two stays in Nashville. Um, in the first one, uh, I kind of really kept to myself. Um, and I would go out and play open mics and stuff. And I would I got along with everyone that uh, work. Um, but um, like I just made no efforts to like go out because I was just terrified. And uh, at all of the open mics, you know, I'd be thinking to myself, you know, co you know, talk to people, try and co-write with them or something. And I would be, you know, too inhibited to do that. Uh, so I was kind of just sitting around feeling particularly pathetic. And that Aww. just came out. And it was because it, it, I mean, it really was kind of stream of consciousness, just like, yeah. It came out so instantly, and I don't think it was edited at all. It's just how it goes, and a lot of people seem to relate to it. Yeah, I'm so I mean, because I mean, have you seen the film Almost Famous? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, right, I, I feel like I'm just about to ask the question that uh, he asks in the film, like, do you have to be happy to write a happy song or sad to write a sad song? But like, sort of, because you know, a lot of your stuff is upbeat and happy, but. Does that come from a happy place, or does it come from, you know, um, any kind of, you know, um, or does it, you know, um, what influences that sort of thing? I don't, I don't want to get too much into it. This sounds like a really cliche question, but because I really like your stuff, I kind of want to know what sort of um, mindset you have to be in to write a particular song, or does it just really come randomly? Or? Sure. Honestly, I 
like my my brain is is a is a mess and is a young adult and is the miserable component and my soul is just generally pretty lax and lighthearted so like i have just a constant inner inner conflict i guess and so i think no matter what the the message is uh often i want to just you know musically i i want to just kind of like make it fun make yeah. it lively and, and catchy and, and energetic um but then sometimes you know the brain is in charge and then again and we get sad for a while no, no I, get, I get that but i mean um yeah you know, I, 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 <laughs> <laughs> uh that's cute yeah that is that's not a band t-shirt uh, ah, okay See, I, yeah. I love the uh, artwork for your uh, singles as well on SoundCloud. It's like really just simple, happy face. Oh, okay. thank you. No one else seems to. <laughs> ah, fuck that. I love the colours that I used as well. So is that kind of a theme going forward? Is the, the, the smile going to become a frown for like the sadder songs? Because don't talk to anyone. Yeah, he's, he's not quite as happy for that one. Uh, you know, he's sure. And I will I will happily send this over to you just privately. But um, I one of the ideas for because you know in the indefinite future there's gonna be like a you know, eleven or twelve song album coming out, and um, I thought that I could just assign each song a, a, a similar face, and and so I did that, and I actually have all the faces ready to go. I'm just not sure if that's what that's the artwork idea yeah, i'm gonna I, you know, I like go it. for it's, i like it it's 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 simple and you know it's effective and you know like i even i love the uh the shades of color that you use in the backgrounds and stuff like that and i think that's you know thank um, you yeah if anything it was just a really fun process to think like what is what's what color and what face is this song yeah and it was kind of really like surprisingly easy that's awesome. Well, look, um, yeah. Hooks, I want to thank you for, uh, you know, taking some time out to, you know, let me just grill you for 40 minutes. Um, I don't think it was that much. Yeah, really. I, I um, enjoyed it. Great. You know, Sorry I, the, the wasn't on. <laughs> it's all good. Um, and yeah, we, I'm looking forward to hearing new stuff and um, I will hopefully talk to the band um, soon as well. So give them my best as well. All right. We'll do. Talk soon. Alright, have a good one. Yeah, get to sleep, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs>
Wow, that was Sint Berrien with Forget to Love. I will be chatting with Reese very soon for an upcoming episode, uh, possibly as early as next week. Uh, we'll see. Um, I have many guests coming up, and some of them I can't announce yet because it's a pain in the ass, really. Uh, because, you know, they are confirmed, but it's just I don't want to announce them until I've done the interview. But, uh, yeah, some really cool names coming up, and uh, I keep saying that. And, you know, I think I've, I think I've proven that I've been able to get some really good names, uh, along with people that you don't know, but really, really talented people, such as Hooks. As, as I sniff. Um, yeah, thanks to uh, Hooks. Um, that was such a fun chat. It's really nice to be able to keep in contact with people who I, you know, may never bump into again. Hopefully I will. Hopefully they will play the IPO next year. Um, hopefully I will come out there again and we'll get to see them again at some point. But yeah, no, it's um, really nice to form a community and, you know, Rex Broom and Christina Bulbenko and Stephen Wilson of Plastic Soul are, you know, at the centre of that uh, in my world. And, you know, I'm really grateful to them uh, for putting me in touch with people like Hooks and uh, his band. Uh, so, yeah, um you know, keep uh, keep tuning in. <laughs> I've really got to get better at this. It's been nearly two years now. Um, I am on iTunes as well. I do keep forgetting that. Uh, do feel free to leave a review, a comment. Uh, a five-star review would be lovely. Um, yeah, share it with people. You know, it's... I'm still trying to get the word out there as much as possible. I know that there are so many podcasts and it's really hard to, you know, stand out from the crowd. I would like to think that I'm doing a very good job, um, you know, and <laughs> so, uh, you know, it was like the onion or something like that, but it was a, you know, a new, a fake news thing, you know, I hate to use that term, fake news, but, um, or, you know, a parody, uh, you know, a uh, podcast host apologizes on air for, you know, poor audio equipment and promises that he will improve upon it next time. You know, I I use the microphone in my Mac, basically. You know, I've never said that before. I don't have a microphone to um, at the moment to be able to, you know, um, use for the podcast because I am pretty, pretty broke. But, you know, it's pretty cool that you can just... Um, just do it, you know, and like when artists or whoever, or, you know, um, or potential artists say that, yeah, I wish I could do this, or I wish I could do that, everything is within your capabilities and within your budget as well. Uh, and the microphone on here is okay, you know, I, I had a bit of uh, compression and, you know, uh, EQ'd a little bit, and hopefully it's okay, hopefully it doesn't offend your ears, hopefully my smooth, rich, sexy voice, you know, either sends you to sleep or turns you on or whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, you know, I, feedback is good. Feedback is constructive, and you know, as long as you don't just say shit or whatever, you know, let me know what you think. But do share it with people as well, and I really, really, really appreciate it. And I'm gonna try and find more ways to be interactive with uh, the listeners, and hopefully offer you know uh, incentives for the listeners to tune in. You know, maybe a prize. You know. You never know. You never know. Uh, so yeah, do check out Pablo's Poppin' Podcast on Facebook. You will be kept up to date first of uh, upcoming guests, and you will have the chance to ask them questions. Uh, yeah, I think that's. I think that's pretty much it. Um, so yeah, the uh, do 
see, I'm just going to repeat myself now, so fuck that. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, do keep tuning in. Please subscribe because you will be notified of upcoming shows and all of that cool stuff. And I will see you all again very, 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 very soon. Okay, see you soon. Bye. Goodbye. 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 Goodbye.